How are we doing today, Wolfpack fans? It is another episode of Pack Center. It is your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth, like always. But today is special. We feel in the air. There's a buzz on campus. Football is back and better than ever. We have one more day to go. We are recording this on Wednesday, but we will be releasing it on Thursday, the day before the Purdue game. Big Ten Purdue comes into Mackey Stadium on August 30th, which is Friday, tomorrow, as you guys are hearing this, at 6.30 p.m. Just some basic info for you guys. It is Stripe Out Mackey Day, as they're calling it. Uh, on the Nevada Twitter football page, it shows you on what section you're in and what color you should be wearing. We've seen this before. They want to do a um, blue section and a white section and basically stripe out Mackie. We see it in Lawler, but I personally like it when they do in Mackie. It's a different feel with football uh, going on. And then tailgating. That's been a little bit of a topic of controversy of as of late. Students are upset that tailgating is banning alcohol and there's a strict alcohol enforcement rule. Thus, some students think they cannot tailgate. As we saw today, Doug Newth has talked about it before. There is no restrictions on students tailgating. They can tailgate in tailgating lots. There will be obviously police presence because of underage drinking, but there's no stopping students from tailgating. We want everyone to get out and tailgating. I believe tailgating is a really big part of the football atmosphere and the football lifestyle. We used to tailgate when we were youngins, and I think it's a really good way to get prepared for the game. And I'm glad that Doug Newth is stepping out and saying, you know, we need fan involvement and tailgating's perfectly fine. Also, they turned the lots that are that were in the north side of the stadium into tailgating lots, which is cool. Hopefully we see a lot of fans. Do you think the fans are going to come out in droves like we expect, or do you think it's going to be a mediocre first day of Nevada football? I think a lot of people are excited in northern Nevada to have football being back. You know, there's a lot of people that have been waiting for this. People have been counting down on Twitter the weeks, the days, the months. And now it's finally here. Um, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere, especially with the tailgating scene that we're going to have. Tailgating should be a lot of fun. The game should be a lot of fun. And I think there's going to be a lot of people in Mackey wearing those striped colors to show support for the pack. So if you guys are tailgating up on that north end of the stadium, be looking out around 2.30. The players are supposed to walk through, kind of meet fans and kind of get their name out there. I think it's a really cool thing that they're doing. I think that Norvell has really taken the initiative to get people excited about football again. They want them to interact with the team, which is always good. So players are going to be walking through the tailgating section around 2.30, so keep your eyes out for that. But now to the nitty-gritty. What is Purdue going to do? How is Purdue looking? That is what everyone wants to know. How are we going to do against them? 6-7 and seven last year, Purdue was killed in the Music City Bowl. Absolutely a Obliterated by Auburn, 63-14. They were playing Auburn, but they they got handled pretty pretty well. Last year, they averaged 30.5 points per game and 443 yards per game on offense. They gave up an average of 30 points per game and 452 yards per game on defense. Not the best. Like we've been saying, kind of middle to lower tier Big Ten team. 
Purdue has hasn't won a regular season game in the Pacific time zone since 1970, which is crazy. I think it's my favorite stat that we drew up today. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we have a good shot to upset this team. We're going to make it so that streak continues, and they're not going to get a win anytime soon in the Pacific time zone, I think. Then their offense players to watch are just going to break down their depth chart a little bit and what players they are looking for. Their quarterback is kind of an iffy position for them. Elijah Sindlier, redshirt senior. He tore his ACL in 2017. Never good, but then he still completed the season on it. Played only two games last season and is now looking for a big year in 2019. It's Elijah's third year taking game one snaps. So he has started the game one in three years, but hasn't been able to finish out an entire season due to circumstances. According to USA Today, he's rumored to have a knee injury. But last year, he completed 26 out of 44 passes. It's a 59% completion rate, 283 yards, and two TDs on those two games. So he does have, he is rumored to have a knee injury that's lingering. His availability is up in the air, even though he is on QB1 on their depth chart. But this is where it gets a little interesting. Their backup quarterback is redshirt freshman who didn't even see a snap of college ball ever. So it's interesting to think that they are going to play Elijah no matter what. And if he gets injured, they have essentially a true freshman coming in who hasn't seen any college football yet. How do you think this quarterback's going to do, especially with all the talent that he has throwing? He has all all this talent that he's going to be throwing to. How do you think he's going to do against the Pac's less than adequate secondary? It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of a lot of different niches you could make. Their offensive line is really young as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're only returning like two guys. The rest are sophomores and freshmen. That's going to be a big key for Purdue is trying to keep you know people like Don Peterson out of the backfield. Really protect that knee if it is seriously injured or even slightly injured. And then, yeah, he does have receivers to bail him out. Rondell Moore, probably one of the best receivers in college football. Um, A lot of people saying he might have a bust year because, you know, teams now have film on him. But, you know, they had a lot of film when they went when they played Ohio State last year and he went off. So it's that was the best game of the year last year. Yeah. And Ohio State, a pretty darn good defense, number two in the country at the time. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see. how Elijah starts out the game, and I think his start is going to be really big. If he can stay on his feet through the first couple drives, I think he might get uh, feeling comfortable and start making some tough passes. But I think if we get to him early and make him start questioning the knee, um, I think it's going to be a good thing for the pack, and he might play a little more um, skeptical and afraid as well. I think so too. Rondell Moore is interesting that you brought that up. His The skill positions in Purdue – are touchy. They have very, very good wide receivers. Rondell Moore, last year, he was the third true freshman to earn a consensus All-American spot. The other two to ever do that in history is Adrian Peterson and Herschel Walker. That's very, very good company to be around. Two of the all-time greats. But he does have a target on his back. Is he someone that you constantly have a safety shadowing him the entire game and just kind of roll with the punches from there? Or do you take your chances one-on-one? That's a good question. If I'm definitely drifting a guy his way. There's, 
I mean, a kid with this much talent and he's shown he can do it on big stages too. It's going to be someone you have to look out for and someone the defense has definitely been circling all week in practice. Bet you they have strategies. They'll probably sneak a safety over, maybe double at times if they feel like they need to. But he's definitely a dude that we cannot let get going. His rush game is also very scary too. The Purdue coach likes to run a lot of trick plays, a lot of misdirection. So maybe look out for a jet sweep, um, a little screen pass that he can get going on. But it's going to be he is going to be the key for this Nevada defense. If we can stop Rondale Moore, I think we have a good chance of containing this whole offense, which is also pretty talented, but Rondale Moore is definitely the key for Nevada this week. Right. You have a true freshman in David Bell also lining up at wide receiver. He's 6'1", 200 pounds, then ranked the 19th best wide receiver coming into college. He's sitting at a number two spot in their two deep depth chart but he might be a guy to watch out for because, like I said, I think they're going to be throwing the ball a good amount against our secondary. Then the rest of the skill positions kind of drop off. You have a tight end in Bryson Hopkins. He had an all-right year, and all-rights being generous. He had just two touchdowns, but he did have a team-high 17.7 yards per reception, which is kind of crazy to think about that every time, or almost every time he caught the ball, he's going to at least 15-plus. And then the running back situation is not good, to say the least, which also makes me think they're going to pass the ball an incredible amount. Xander Horvath, very limited role last year. He rushed for 42 yards and a TD. He didn't play in 2017, and he has two true freshmen, not even redshirt freshmen, two true freshmen behind him. It's not good for a coaching staff to have that kind of limited depth especially when your your running back one is all right and had a mediocre year last year, to say the least. They do have a kind of experienced O-line in front of them. They have 36 games between the entire O-line group. They have a redshirt freshman who hasn't touched the field yet at right tackle and a sophomore, which has a little bit of an experience that he played spotty last year at center. So this offense... Looks all right. Definitely going to be passing the ball a lot. But a def- uh, an offense that our defense, I feel like, can exploit. Definitely. I mean, if you got a lot of experience, especially in the linebackers, linebacker position for Nevada, I think that definitely Lucas being a fifth year, you got Gabe coming back on a senior year. Uh, it's going to be a lot of experience that might frustrate some of the young linemen. And then also... You know, for a quarterback who may not be as confident throwing the ball right now, it's going to be uh, something that our defense can try to pick up on and attack. And then when needed, you know, make defensive coverages confusing and switch up looks. It might confuse him a little more after he's already been pretty frustrated. So definitely something that our defense can exploit and hopefully force a couple turnovers along the way. What the pack can't do is let Elijah Sindelier just sit back there and throw the ball. We need to rush the offensive line, make them nervous, bring that pressure because he's going to want to sit back there in that pocket and just throw the entire game to Rondell Moore. But on the defensive side, they have just as much uh, lacking of an experience as their offense does. Seven freshmen in the two-deep lineup, one true and one redshirt freshman starting on the D-line, which is never good. One starting at D-tackle, one starting at D-end. But experience in Derek Barnes, who is a junior, Finished third on the team last year with 92 total tackles. This is a defensive line that might be able to get pressure against our young offensive line. But at the same time, it's not the traditional Big Ten defensive line that you would see, which is good for our offensive line. Their linebacker spot is 
just like us, the only place where they have a lot of experience. Two seniors and one junior, Marcus Bailey, who is a fifth year, led the team in total tackles last season. He is back. Ben Holt is a tr fifth year transfer, transferred from Western Kentucky, led Western Kentucky with 116 tackles last year. Junior Cornell Jones rounds out the group with appearing in all 13 games last season and a team high 12.5 tackles for a loss. That linebacker crew is pretty good, which is making me think that the pack is going to have to even out that run pass ratio and not be so run heavy as we expected but still we might we should be able to run on that defensive line and then that secondary in my notes I have underclassmen all over the board both at cornerbacks and at strong safety I think they have one senior in that secondary group in their two deep lineup yeah they're free safety which is not not good so their defense like I said, I don't think it's a traditional Big Ten defense, and I think our offense can have a good could game. I think Carson Strong is going to be standing back there. He's going to be throwing. But I do think that Toa Tawa is going to have a really, really good game. How do you think our offense matches up against this inexperienced defense? I mean, on paper, it kind of looks like we're looking in a mirror with our defense and their defense. We have similar seniors at similar positions. And we have inexperience at similar positions. It's really interesting. Um, I feel like that will be tough. A lot of the stuff we're saying that our defense can do to Purdue is kind of the opposite. We hope our offense can avoid uh, with their defense. Definitely, there's a lot of talent. Um, one of the more talented freshmen I was looking up, his name is George Clarathis. I definitely butchered that. My apologies. It's a great last name. He's a freshman. He's starting at right end. It's going to be an interesting battle to watch him. And Jake Nelson, who was our senior left tackle, our senior on that offensive line, that's going to be something to watch, you know, keeping Carson's backside strong, and hopefully he's not getting hit from behind a lot. But definitely there's been a lot of buzz about George coming out of Purdue camp and how he's been performing, and definitely probably someone scary to watch, but I feel really confident that we have Jake over there uh, to definitely help Carson's blind side. But, yeah, secondary, a lot of underclassmen, I think, on their two deep, they were running two freshmen at one corner position and a sophomore and a freshman at the other. So it's an inex inexperienced um, DBs that our experienced wide receivers should try to have a field day with, and I think they will be very successful if our O-line can give Carson the time to distribute the ball the way we know he can. What I don't want is Jay Norvell drawing up a plan to just run heavy the entire game. I think Carson Strong won't be able to get into rhythm if we're running the ball three times in a row, four times in a row, and we can't let Carson Strong actually get into rhythm. Especially with that secondary, we need Carson Strong to start throwing early and start throwing fast. Yeah, with the with the blind side, that's an interesting topic to bring up because if he doesn't protect that blind side, we could see Carson Strong getting take take a lot of hits as a redshirt freshman, and that's never good. The only, only silver lining in that entire thing is that QB2, Malik Henry, has been in full pads the past two weeks and is good to go if Carson Strong struggles. That hamstring, I heard per source, is no longer really bothering him. He's been in full go at full pads the past two weeks, so he's ready to play. And that's good for the pack, but hopefully they don't have to use him. If they use them, that means Carson Strong's struggling. We definitely want to, don't want to see that. We need Carson to get all the confidence he can from this game and stay on his feet. That's going to be a, one of that's actually one of my big keys for Nevada this week is keep Carson up and keep him, you know, 
happy. You know, if he throws a pick, you know, you don't want him on the sideline kind of dropping his head. We need a lot of those senior wide receivers and leadership on the wide receiver core to kind of pick him up. Be like, yeah, you made a mistake, but, you know, we have a lot of game to play and you need to keep your head in the game. And that's not something that I'm too worried about, but I feel like as a redshirt freshman, it could easily happen with um, any quarterback, honestly, and on for the position. But, yeah, hearing the Malik news is also a really good thing, just knowing that we have that ace in our back pocket that we can turn to if things do go bad, and we definitely want to start out the season 1-0. So anything that we can do to improve those chances, we'll, we will take advantage of. Yeah, we need strong, healthy, so he can throw to his favorite receiver, Romeo Dubs. He's going to have a big game against that inexperienced secondary. Look for Elijah Cooks in the red zone against that inexperienced secondary. I think our wide receivers are going to have a big game, and it's going to be fun to watch, I think. Now we are going to go into our keys for the game. What are some of the, your keys for the game? And I'm going to go over my keys for the game, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. First one I have is uh, expose the freshmen and make them make mistakes, especially in the secondary. You know, we were talking about this earlier, but our senior leadership at wide receiver, definitely something that we need to take advantage of, running a lot of confusing routes and hopefully switching up um, our looks on offense as well as defense. Expose their freshmen. You know, they have 18 total and they're too deep. So that's a ton of freshmen to have on your too deep. It's a young team. Um, try to expose them as much as we can. Caleb Fossum will definitely have to yeah. lead that charge. And I have in all caps stop Rondale Moore. Yep. He is the key to this game on defense, and if we stop him, I think we win the game. If we let him get loose, it's going to be a very hard game to win. And that's kind of all I have besides I already gave my other one, keep Carson up, keep him moving, keep him, keep his head up on the sideline. But, yeah, those are kind of my three keys to the game, and I feel like if Nevada executes the way they know how and makes very minimal mistakes, I think we have a really good shot at winning this football game. I agree. My keys for the game, not much experience running the ball at all for Purdue. And with Rondell Moore at wide receiver, passing game is going to be in full effect, which means we need to drop some guys and have the safety shadowing Rondell. And honestly, I'd bring in full pressure. I'd bring Dom Peterson every single play. I'd bring I'd bring Gabriel Sewell every single play. And I would I would literally make that O-line so scared to go up against us every single play. We need full-on pressure against Elijah this game. I have another one. We cannot play sloppy and give them extra chances. We can't throw interceptions. We can't be given fumbles up. Against a close game and a Big Ten opponent like this, we just can't play sloppy. We can't be giving them extra chances that they wouldn't have if we didn't turn the ball over. So we need to play a clean game, no stupid penalties, no ejections, no interceptions. We just need to play a clean game, and it will, we'll be able to squeak out the win. Last one, and that's on, this is on the listeners we need to fill Mackey Stadium. We need to get the momentum going. We need to have fans at the game. If we don't and the fans are flat and there's not a lot of people there, Purdue's going to be able to get momentum because there's nothing stopping them from getting one big play. Their crowd that they are traveling with is reportedly a lot, and their sidelines getting crazy into the game, and then they get momentum. So those are my three keys. And if we take care of those keys that we've just talked about, I think we can get the W. Definitely. I mean, you heard Lucas Weber on Twitter earlier this week asked about the crowd at Mackey and the atmosphere, and he reiterated what you know we're saying and what a lot of the people are saying too. It's you know when Mackey's rocking, it the players feed off that energy, and when they hear people going crazy, it makes them want to go a hundred times faster. So that's coming from your fifth-year senior uh, linebacker captain of the defense. Um, so he knows what he's talking about. So definitely get people to Mackey. 
and we'll make this a fun one for sure. Oh, yeah. Do you have a score prediction and what is going to happen? Who's going to win? And who's your MVP? Score is going to be close. Um, I think that Purdue is returning nine of their 11 defensive players, if I'm not mistaken, averaging 30 points a game last year and over 400 yards passing. I think it's going to we're going to have a lot of scoring opportunities, and I feel like they might have a lot of scoring opportunities too. They have a lot of big play potential. Going upper 20s, I'll say Pack wins. Let's go 32-28. Pretty close game. That will be close from wire to wire. Definitely, I think we squeak out a dub, though. I think that there's only a couple things that we need to do on defense to stop their offense, and I think our offense can definitely thrive uh, facing this young secondary. So, yeah, pack 32-28, get the first win in Mackey, first one of the season, and go on a happy road trip to Oregon. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be back and forth the entire game with our defense and with their defense as well. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I have us winning by a close margin, 38-35, a little bit higher than uh, Tyler predicted, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I think we're going to be able to squeak out that win. I think it's going to be a good, good game to open up the season at Mackey. Tyler, do you have anything else? Go Pack, get the fans out there, and let's get rowdy on Friday. Yeah, make sure everyone gets out there and gets rowdy. We may start tailgating tonight because we are so darn excited. But everyone, get out to Mackie, stripe out Mackie, and let's cheer on the Pack as we beat Purdue in our season opener. Thanks for listening, guys, and go Pack.